Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Jed Talks. My name is Jed Shepard and I am your host. Uh, Today's a little bit of a different episode. Today we're having a horror summit with some of the greatest minds in horror and uh, some other people too. Um, we've got um, we've got seven of us. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of us. Um, and we'll be talking about all types of subjects on horror, uh, some of the burning questions in horror, and maybe we'll just end it with uh, some recommendations of underrated horrors uh, for you to take away because everybody loves that. Let's start. If you guys could introduce yourselves. I'm Chelsea, Rebecca, and this is my fiance, James, A. Janice, hey. and we're Dead Meat on YouTube. We have a podcast and yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. I'm just imagining when you say a summit that we're all in the the Senate from the Star Wars prequels. That's, that's basically what this is. That's yeah. We're here to talk about tax reform. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, my name is Trevor. This is my wife, Lauren. Hello. And then we got my buddy, Leo. I'm Leo. <laughs> and uh, we're the Boo Crew, and we're uh, a horror interview podcast based out of Burbank, California, and we're with the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. I'm Prince. I am the host of Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. That's Night with a K. Um, I'm also on the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network as well, and uh, I mainly destroy films by pretty much talking very nicely about them. <laughs> 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 it's like even if it's a bad horror film i'm just like yeah it's good <laughs> we love horror that's the thing um, that's the thing <laughs> i love how many horror couples we have on here i know yeah, right yeah yeah i'm vibing i'm vibing with it <laughs> speaking of which i'm john i'm kim <laughs> and we are the host of the nightmare on film street podcast which uh you know much like much like prince uh we we also kill things with kindness <laughs> and uh, are also members of the bloody disgusting podcast network we release episodes Yay. every thursday <laughs> well we're well covered for bloody disgusting aren't we like <laughs> um but yeah well thanks guys for, for coming to this this first horror summit and we'll do we'll do more in the future our first topic of today um and it's something that has been discussed quite a lot on the new app clubhouse and it always ends up with me just throwing my phone across the room um <laughs> And that's elevated horror. Let's talk about elevated horror first. Now, that term is, for me, one of the worst words you could ever use for a horror film. My reasoning is that if you're elevating one horror film, it means that you're throwing everything under the bus. What do you guys think about the term elevated horror and where can it be used? Where should it be used? I think it's so funny that, yeah, I also agree that elevated horror, there is a kind of an insult to it or it's a little bit... uh, you know, it's it's it feels so mean to call some movies elevated horror because, yeah, it implies the rest of the genre is not really worth your time or worth mainstream attention. But I think it's so funny that, in my opinion, it's kind of subcategorizing horror. Like if I call a horror movie trash horror, to me, that's a compliment. <laughs> you know like I, I feel that. like it's, you know, started a baseline of horror and then just label things as like, you know, bad to worse to worst. And for some reason that feels less mean and more accurate and more in the spirit and, and fun of horror than calling something like, oh yes, it's so elevated and better. And 
If that makes any sense. No, oh, that no. makes total sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just weird that sense. it's weird that some horror movies are uh, called elevated horror movies just because what because they're good. Then call them good horror movies. Yeah, right. like elevated comedies, like yeah. elevated <laughs> rom coms. Like yeah. you don't have, all genres have good and bad movies. Just because yeah. a horror movie is good doesn't mean it's elevated. It's a good horror movie. Exactly. Yes, what? just because uh, A24 put it out doesn't make it better than <laughs> everything else that, that came before it. I was going right. to ask, like, what it, uh, when they say elevated horror movies, what do you think? Is it like A24, anything arty, anything, you know, highbrow? I was just going to say, I feel like that it it is kind of in that spectrum of falling on the lines of A24 or Neon or something like that to where it has this, I guess type of formula to it that makes it seem elevated where i mean i don't even know where the terminology was coined i, I don't know if it was hereditary that happened that it happened with or get out or whatever the case i think, I think i remember out. seeing it or, yeah out. with get out and hereditary okay. hereditary is the one i think of that's what i think the movie too, i love but oh yeah me too I, yeah I'm a huge hereditary i think it fan. was a, in, a, in a review um i think it was it was in a review for, i think it's for get out actually but it was, was definitely it, used, out, it was definitely used for arias's movies as well and it's just a way for for journalists who snobbish journalists who think they're better than horror who don't usually watch horror but kind of need right. an excuse to um say they like this particular thing they say oh no no this isn't horror this is elevated horror it's not like right. the, the riffraff that everyone else watches this right i um, think it'll tend to happen to whenever a horror movie there's any kind of oscar potential yeah I, I think i think people would say silence of the lambs elevated horror the exorcist maybe even or, or even movies where it's debated like well is it even technically horror which i think you know, all these movies we're discussing are, but people even try to argue they're not, it's like they they not only want to make it seem like, oh, it's better than this genre, but they want to kind of divorce it even from the genre itself. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Would The Shining be elevated horror? Would The Shining be elevated well, the horror? Shining, it came I, out according to Kubrick, probably. That's, that's elevator horror, The Shining. Yeah, elevator. Yeah. <laughs> not, when it, not when it came out, though. When it came out, it was... Uh, it, it Razzies, yeah. I think it won a few. Razzies. Oh yeah, yeah Shelley Duvall won a Razzie. Those wow. what? Oh, I think mm-hmm. it got like the Razzies. It won Razzie for best film or worst film. Everyone, yeah. uh, worst director, yeah, whatever. Like Razzie. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the amount of like people who just generally just don't like horror or don't watch horror when they're forced to because something becomes popular and and mainstream and and gets nominated for awards then they have to watch it and then it's just a way for them to disassociate themselves from from the genre horror because they've been brainwashed and and conditioned to think horror is for people who aren't very smart for people who don't like art but for me i i see horror as an art like i think it's something that you can enjoy there's different types and for me like all horror is I'm saying elevated in quotation marks because it makes me feel elevated. It makes me feel better than I did before when I watch it. Yeah. It's the most elevated genre, right? That, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, We're yeah. biased though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. My kind of uh, flip side argument to that though is I do think there is something so fun and, and I think it's part of what makes horror feel like such a little community too is there is something really fun and uh like being in a little club feeling about 
being yeah. a huge fan of a genre that everyone thinks is garbage <laughs> or that everyone <laughs> thinks is beneath them or like low culture or for, yeah, for uh, uh, uneducated people or for sick people or for yeah. weirdos. And that's kind of, that is part of the fun of it. I, I do think I would be a little sad if we ever got to a day where horror wasn't, you know, considered kind of a, a lowbrow art form that's that's kind of the joy of it's like a counterculture type thing. yeah yeah exactly, exactly. It's, right. it's the alternative to, to the mainstream maybe that's why we're so sensitive about it though because like we're all kind of outcasts in a sense and the fact that like there's these these outsiders that are like infiltrating but they're they're trying to like pick and choose and make <laughs> yeah. their own category for it and you're like no you can't have hereditary it's ours um, <laughs> right. picking. And it's, yeah, why, yeah right why do you guys think that they've picked on get out the ariasta movies like so basically jordan peele and ariasta movies like why you, do you think they've been picked as as elevated horror and i hate you know, saying very, that it makes me want to spit <laughs> <laughs> i'm very curious as to honestly what the ethnicity of the person was who reviewed the get out film um because i personally when i watch get out i mean i I'm in an interracial marriage as well. And on top of that, like it, I have like gotten the, I guess, undertones of like, Oh, be careful of that white girl you're with or whatever. <laughs> and, and it's, it's very interesting. Cause like you, I, I've gotten it my whole life of like, and something my grandmother said to me when she was telling me about like the, um, about like Emmett Till and things like that. Um, and she told me, she said that one thing that kind of, I guess, resonated with me. And I took that with me when I watched Get Out is that she would say something like um, a white woman doesn't know how powerful her words are. Mm -hmm. And when I took that into consideration, when I watched Get Out, I think that is kind of the mindset that the reviewer was probably seeing it in as of like, oh, this is historical or this is right. something that. Um, we haven't quite seen before, which we've 100% seen it before. It's just kind of in a different category of uh, movie watching in a way. I mean, it, it's literally the exact same story of guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah. And it's just with a horror element. And with all of that being said, I, I actually recently, when I was on Alter Weekly, chatted about it being actually probably the closest thing we would get to maybe a society remake if we were to get a remake of society. I want to do that one so for another remake. We're going to come on to remakes in, in, in a little bit. Okay. Um, but does, <laughs> have any other like, views as to, to any alternative reasons as to why this term elevated horror is still prevalent and like again on clubhouse um I, i'm hearing filmmakers using it and it's a way sometimes that they pitch their films to um, execs because the word even though the word elevated horror is made up basically it doesn't it's not a real thing it's like some people filmmakers use it especially when they don't they're not they don't come from the horror genre when they want to jump to the horror genre because it's how it's lucrative. So in their pitch deck, they're like, I'm making an elevated horror. It's not like these other horrors that you've seen that other filmmakers have done. My one's elevated. My one's like the Ari Aster one. Yeah. I'm 
sure I, Todd Phillips uses it for joking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're probably you know, they're probably just a, a victim of the times. Yeah, because you know they, you named off uh, Midsummer and uh, Hereditary and Get Out, but you can shift that back to the eighties or seventies. Look at The Shining, yeah. and you know look at movies like Suspiria and all that, where True. you know they don't really have a jump scare or blood and guts and gore, but they are emotionally and psychologically disturbing. Uh, I just saw one uh, a couple of days ago called The Devils. Have you guys seen that from 1971? Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I love it. Is that it's the so Ken Russell good. one? Yes, yeah. yes. Even me, I, I've been dying yeah, to watch list. it because I love I love some Ken Russell. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just one of those movies that's been banned forever, mm-hmm. difficult to track down, and then here comes Shudder and, and somehow figured it out, and now we can watch it, you know. Was Devils a, a video, video nasty? Uh, it, was, yeah. it was not. It was uh, not. Uh, you I, have I to say it with the accent. I apologize. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was like, what's a nasty? Oh. <laughs> nasty. I'm so sorry, Jen. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you guys know I'm British, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Chelsea, I told you it was British. Like, Listen, I know things like, are sensitive it, right it, now. It, yeah. We kidnapped <laughs> Prince Harry. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> Personally, I don't know if uh, elevated horror is really going to go away anytime soon. Just call it dramatic horror i mean you can call it dramatic mm-hmm. horror yeah i because uh, like i personally i don't think it's gonna go away because the horror is is kind of in the dna of more movies than it's ever been before like there are For horror sure. elements in like every superhero movie now and people, thanks to right. they, they took all our directors that's yeah. the problem yeah. Yeah. And I, think, I think that's that's part of why we're always so like upset about stuff like that <laughs> but uh but give us really back right <laughs> give him back <laughs> i think honestly people just need People that don't watch horror movies still need an excuse to like as to why they're willing or want to watch a horror movie, which I think is hilarious. But um, but I I know that at least from my experience, like people in the horror community that use it, it's more about describing the aesthetic of a movie now. It's like, oh, it's it's an elevated horror movie, which just kind of means like it's smooth, it's clean, it's got a lot of tracking shots and You know, there's no, there's no, there's not a whole lot of gore until the very Yeah, it's definitely a misnomer, and yeah. it's like it sets up this false, you know, hierarchy, you know, expectation. So, I think that's going to go away. I think we're not going to see that for too long. Somebody will figure out a better word to describe these movies, not say yeah. you know, elevated horror, because I, come oh, on, no, I, we we know better. Yeah. I wonder if if part of it too is yeah like you're kind of uh, uh touching on uh John where it's I wonder if it's almost kind of people yeah giving themselves permission to enjoy a horror yeah, cuz it's not a horror movie it's an elevator yeah movie. I'm not a movie <laughs> there really are some you know that I I think we're generally better about this. We don't have the video nasties list anymore, but there is still a stigma where it's like, if you enjoy watching, you know, people get murdered for fun. That's our literal job and it's great. Uh, there's still a weird, you know, people look at you a little bit funny. And yeah. I, yeah, I think, I, mean, I wonder if part somebody... of that is, yeah, assigning like, well, this has value and therefore I am not a, a sicko for enjoying this one. It's like if somebody asks you, hey, did you guys enjoy a Serbian film? That's <laughs> yeah, kind of a weird. It's like you want to almost deny like oh, I've never seen it. You know, yeah. But then yeah. now that you've you seen it, it's, it. Like, it's elevated. Wait, yeah. wait, which, which Serbian film? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I wonder if that um, elevated horror has brought in any people and turned them into full blown horror fans. Like, it's a a good good way to, like, suck them in because I have friends 
who will watch Hereditary and say like, oh, I don't like horror. And I'm just like, what did you just watch? And then I've had a couple of them realize what a good genre it is. And it's totally turned them. That is yeah, and I think Jordan really Peele did a lot. So it's it's no surprise that Elevated Horror uh, came into its own with his, his debut feature because he was a person who was from like mainstream media. He was from right. the comedic world. Everyone knew who he was. And then for him to be like, no, I'm going to make a horror movie. And, uh, you know, I think Get Out helped make horror as popular as it is today. I think we're definitely riding a crest right now between Get Out and It. I think we're like this kind of one-two punch that really brought it up even higher than like the Conjuring series had started to build that foundation. Yeah. But uh, for Jordan Peele to do that, and you know, as much as we all love to be part of a genre that's, like we said, kind of counterculture, kind of an exclusive club, I do love that he, for his first film, instead of doing like a comedy, which he was better known for, obviously Get Out has comedic elements, but he made a horror movie Movie, he made a damn good one and uh it wasn't just him like catching a ride on the latest trend he helped make that trend because he is such a a real horror fan and i love that yeah yeah i mean that's the whole flip side of all this right the fact that it's even part of a conversation that it's even become something that people want to label is indirectly resulting in this boom of horror that we're seeing. I mean, God, I can't even believe how many new movies Yay. are coming out and streaming yeah. every week. It's crazy, right? <laughs> Halloween, like year after year. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. There's so yeah. many we haven't okay. seen yet. And it's, yeah, sure. it's it, it makes you coming. wonder if they make any other film because yeah. Yeah. all horror. Yeah, that's lately all it's I felt like that. Seen. And yeah, I mean, Halloween, the season itself is extending every year. Right. It's yeah, now we got two months now. Yeah, better yeah. starting it in April now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And a lot of those experiences. Yeah. A lot of those experiences don't go away, right? They stick around all year now in the stores yeah. that are opening up. I mean, God, here in Burbank on Magnolia Boulevard, they're knocking yeah. down another store on Magnolia to put another horror shop year round. Like wow. they're going to own the whole block before, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah, I Mystic We need to move. I love <laughs> that <laughs> part of town. Magnolia <laughs> is amazing. I love it. <laughs> if you think in the UK, we've got none of that stuff. We, we don't have Halloween. We don't have Spirit Halloween. I'm, I'm wow. trying to oh, get that hurts me. Spirit Halloween to like have one shop here. We have closing down shops too. We have out, <laughs> everything's out of business. Half the shops in London are out of business. Like, yeah. take your pick. Like, you need oh, to yeah. do like a, you know how there's been like pop-up stores of, I, I, I don't know. I feel like Blockbuster's done like, oh, a pop-up Blockbuster coming. You know, That's it looks cool. like Blockbuster used to. Just do a Spirit Halloween. It would be so popular. And it wouldn't be that hard to set up. It just has to kind of look like a warehouse on the inside. (laughs) Skeletons in there. We all good. Skeletons at the door. (laughs) Yeah, this is an Instagram experience. You can just sell some sheets, like make your own ghost. It's great. (laughs) Really bad banner signage. You're done. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I don't know if you've ever spent Halloween in London before, but it is like... It is like the redheaded stepchild of the American Halloween. It is terrible. Why do I feel like it would be amazing? You guys have so many ghosts. Yeah, why do you save all your it's ghosts for Christmas? No, we've got loads of ghosts, but they're all like really serious and they don't play. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Got it. They're <laughs> elevated ghosts. They're elevated ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Artsy ghosts. Yeah, I love like Thomas Cromwell, yeah. just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Marie Antoinette walking ghosts. around, just, just being snobby. Um, but yeah, no, like we, we just really don't have it. But which leads me on to, to the next question, which is why horror? Why do you guys kind of spend most of your lives 
uh, talking about horror, watching horror, being horror commentators. Uh, I think I, it's the most God. one of the most creative genres in film. I think yes. that people with uh, people have to get super inventive and innovative with budgets that they're given and. Uh, you know, the idea of doing, you know, making the impossible possible with practical effects and the ability to watch something that gives you a visceral kind of physical reaction. There's not many genres that do that. I mean, comedy it makes you laugh, but I think horror really runs the gamut. It can make you laugh. It can make you curl in a ball in your seat. It can make you cry. It can make you scared and make you think about it for weeks after. And I don't think there's any genre that quite touches you in that way. Yeah, for me, I've learned that there are two... Um, parts of my personality that horror really appeals to. And uh, one is uh, in that same vein, the novelty. I like when things are different. My favorite artist we were talking before we started recording is David Bowie because he reinvented himself so often, uh, not just with image, but with genre. And so I like that with within horror, you can have comedy, like you were saying, all these different kinds of movies where I feel as though you don't get that variety in other movies. Like I'm, I'm notoriously not a big fan of superhero movies just because to me, they feel all kind of samesy. And then uh, also another thing you just touched on, Trevor, was that like practical effects and making something look real. I've learned that I like it when people uh, uh, do dangerous things, but are safe in the end, because that's mm. the appealing thing to me about pro wrestling. I'm a uh, fan of that because sometimes they do and stunts because I love to see people like put their bodies on the line to entertain us but then walk away from it being okay. And horror does that between stunts and makeup work. Makeup work. It's like, oh, cool. You made me think that that arm just got torn off, but that person's fine. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's something I think about horror that really is open about the fact that humans are all universally pretty morbid. Like, <laughs> I think you're lying to yourself if you don't think you are, if not morbid, but you know, you've had morbid thoughts. We all think about death. It's in and it's like such a universal thing. And I, I think there's something really human and cool. Like it's just a neat experience being able to turn this extremely universal fear. Like arguably it's the one thing literally every single person has in common is that everyone's going to die one day and it's scary, but also the fact that we can make it into a, basically a genre of film and have it be fun and laugh at it and get creative with it. I, I don't know. I find something really, um, it almost like helps with my own anxiety and kind of fear about yeah. that, you know, really existential stuff that it's like, you know what it's, it, it it's fun to just let go. And yeah, you know, that's an inevitability, but it's, it can be fun and funny. And, and, you know, I, I love that about it. It's processing. Yeah. yeah. Touching on what uh, Chelsea just said, for me, it, it, it's always been about escapism. So I, I grew up and I had a, a good portion of my life where there was a lot of death going on in my family. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you get away, you, you, get immersed into a horror movie, which you know is not real. It's, you know, you just get immersed into this world building of whatever you're watching, whatever slasher, whatever psychological horror, monster of the week, whatever it is. But you get away and you forget about your worries, forget about that life really sucks, that life is dark right now. And you just enjoy what's going on, even though it's really dark and there is death in those movies. But it's something that, you know, I've always enjoyed. And then, you know, you turn it off and you step back to real life and you're like, well, all right, back to life that sucks. But then you look forward to that next experience with the horror movie, you know? So yeah. 
It's, yeah. Well, with it's horror, the, horror, what you're seeing is usually a lot darker than the shit you're actually going through in real life. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I like to call horror like watching horror almost like controlled de- demolitions. Like I like like you guys are saying like I experience a lot of anxiety and stuff. And and I'm actually a big scaredy cat. Like I'm a huge wuss when it comes to horror movies, but I love watching them because it's a way that you can kind of like elevate your heart rate and do all those things that like your body does in, in terrible situations when you don't want it to, but you can, you can have control over it in a way. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I guess that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Kim, I'm the exact same way to the point where I, you know, I, I routinely go to therapy. I talk to uh, my therapist online and she is fascinated by my job and like I'm also I'm scared very easily I'm very easily startled I didn't like horror at all as a kid it was too much and over time it's almost like this weird exposure therapy and I I do notice how I I just feel like a bit more even keeled in terms of uh you know being uh anxious or easily frightened or yeah it's like a weird exposure therapy kind of thing yeah, like I, I can't go in a haunted house, but I can the two D the movie thing. I can I can handle that no problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm right. What about three D? <laughs> Sorry. What about three D? <laughs> oh God, I'm I'm so bad with video games too. Like I, the control aspect, I just is no. Thing. I can't I can't play scary games. Yeah, try, <laughs> trying to make decisions in a horror situation. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm like, I just wouldn't do that. Like, I, I wouldn't go in there. <laughs> How do I walk out? So, so, <laughs> it's not going to work. Uh, Kim, I don't know if it's the case for you, but just as someone who gets kind of anxious over over scary things, and I, I feel probably a similar way that I do, I, I do find that it's it's helped me because uh, I used to watch scary stuff and get nightmares. Like horror movies would give me nightmares. I couldn't do it. I like would lose sleep. Uh, just scary imagery. No, I couldn't do. But then over time, as I really learned to to love the genre, I I can't think of the. I think the last movie we did watch Lake Mungo, and that one was like, do we want to turn on a nightlight? Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't have to, creepy. but it, it is easier for me, not even with just horror imagery, but just stuff in general. If I think of, you know, if my mind wants to wander somewhere that that sucks and it's so much easier for me to just be like, nope, we're not going to think about that. You know, it's, it's like a weird kind of a uh, brain training in a way. Like when some was, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> when I was little, I saw a horror movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, just way too young. I think I was like six or seven and I was so scared by it and I'm still scared by it. But I think when you see horror so young, like you become obsessed with it. There's something about it that just like you want that thrill. And I've been chasing that thrill, you know, since I was little and kind of challenging myself to see like, can I make it through this movie? And just like, I love Halloween. I just love spooky decor, just everything that goes along with being a horror fan. Yeah, it's one of the only genres that has a community around it. Like we were saying, but like there's no community for comedy. That, there's no community for romance. It's uh, it's fun because it's kind of an the outcast's home. Like yeah. I grew up too, like loving Halloween, being kind of weird, being the goth kid. And I had a bunch of siblings, but like they weren't like me at all. So like I felt very alone as a child. And like I had all of these weird movies that like just were so simpatico with like who I was. And I was like, oh, you can be weird. Like when I saw like Nancy in the craft and I was like, there are people that are weird. I was curious, uh, uh, Prince, now that yeah. you're, uh, you're a new 
you're a new dad. Congratulations, man. I am. I was was thinking now that your father has your outlook on horror changed. Now that you have these protective instincts for your kid. At cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's such an interesting question. Yeah. During the process of when my wife was actually pregnant, I went through a very interesting horror phase where I would watch like, I guess, um, opposite sex pregnancy stuff. Like for example, like alien or, um, uh, the mortuary collection, the brood. brood, Yes. The brood as well. Um, yeah. So like I I would be super fascinated into that aspect or like even like splice and stuff like that. I was just like, but, um, (laughs) when, when she was born, my daughter's name is Ellie. And when Ellie was born, um, I think, at that point in time, I, I definitely had kind of a shift where um, things that happened to kids definitely, I guess, struck a bit more of a chord with me. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still like, yeah, but like that kid just like stabbed you, hit him. Like, <laughs> 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 like, I just recently watched The Good Son again. Re- uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, throw him off the bridge. <laughs> throw him off the rock. Come, come on. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's a very interesting take on how everything just has, I guess, changed. Um, but at the same time, not much has changed, surprisingly. Um, but even even when I think about like, how I want to introduce her into horror. It's um, it's definitely an interesting process because my wife is actually not into it at all. She's just like, she'll, she'll watch like some things every now and then. Like she actually, she did watch Host and that was like the last horror movie I think she watched uh, <laughs> just because I just kept raving about it. But um, when, when sh- she is into it, she's like, okay, like how are you going to perceive this with our child? Uh. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know, but I'm probably gonna do it because you know me. (laughs) As parents of four kids, I mean, I feel like I've seen way more horrific things with my kids than I have seen on a movie. Yes! (laughs) Yes! Uh, it's, It's kind of gross but really fun to have kids um but introducing them to horror we we have our oldest daughter is 11 and now it's really fun to re-watch movies through her eyes oh, and it's to amazing. see it completely it's the thing. differently yeah, yeah. and now she's a horror fan and i'm like so proud it's the <laughs> awesome thing to want to do that that way right to see these movies again really for the first like it's like it's hard to describe it like seeing them again for the first time is really yeah, what it is right it's it's amazing and just going back to the horror genre in general like i can't think of any other genre you could really wrap your whole lifestyle around you know you True, get immersed yeah. in the art you live it you decorate right. your house with it it's i i really there's nothing really like it Maybe sci-fi, which is close to yeah. yeah. I mean, right? they have the yeah. same mom. I feel like Mary Shelley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like our sibling. Yeah. I thought I had an answer for this question that was like real clear cut, but like Lauren brought up Halloween. It's like, oh shit, it was probably Halloween. Like Halloween did it. Like the, 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 season, the season of Halloween. Something cooler than Halloween when you're a kid, right? It's Christmas, right. but everybody's in covered in blood you know right. yeah when i was a kid there was a it was the first time i'd ever seen because we would have like you know carnivals come into town where they set up the you know the kind of once you actually go on it the haunted house that's like not yeah, <laughs> one dangling yeah. skeleton yeah, yeah. which are, i do enjoy in their own way but i remember seeing one of those and as a kid just like wanting to go 
it on that and my mom knowing me and which I think is fair because I was easily scared she's like I don't I don't know if you would you would like that it's scary and so we didn't we didn't go on it but I just remember like I remember that moment of just like what's him like now I really want to go I want to know (laughs) just always kind of feeling drawn to that stuff even if I was very easily frightened and scared it's like it's it's always had a pull on me for sure for for me for me it was um my my mom's from Philippines and I don't know if you've ever met a Filipino person but they're families and my family very into monsters um and and they tell kids that monsters are real ghosts are real all of these spooky things are real they're not stories they're real so if you've ever seen like a book of Filipino mythology it's it's like the bible like the, it's it's like a it's like every monster you can think of every variation of a monster you can think of like they they've got a story about it and um because my mum used to tell me that these monsters were real when I when I was a kid I was like like almost like looking out for them every day going to school and like so it was more like a survival skill I had to learn about these monsters I had to watch these horror movies so I learned how to kill these monsters and uh, just in case it, like it, it ever happened and I was one of the few people in my school that was really really into horror there's what there was one weird Spanish kid called Raphael who was into horror but not as much as me and um <laughs> so but I was going Raphael I mean, that. yeah I mean, <laughs> he, was a, he was a turtle um but, like, yeah. but I was Raphael have you seen this movie any but no because he was kind of relying on his older brother but like I would just go to video shops and just to like dodgy video shops who would rent like 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 horror movies to little kids and um yeah and yeah and like to kind of justify my um, flirtation with horror when I was a kid and just people thinking I was a bit weird, I had to just keep it going forever because it's just like, yeah, like I identify myself as a horror kid. Like I don't want that to have just been a phase because I love it so much. So I've just always been like mega into horror, like more than anyone I, like, I know like in, in London. And it's kind of, it's just done me good because it just means like now I'm, um, I'm like an encyclopedia when it comes to like horror movies. Like you can't see it now because they've got this background, but I'm like surrounded by VHS, like horror VHS, like thousands. And I basically watch horror films 24 seven. That's why I'm up late if I'm not on, on Clubhouse. And I'm just getting ideas from all these horror movies that people kind of forgot about. And I just think it's, it's more than just entertainment. It's like, it's like stories that are passed down through the ages, like campfire stories, like just collected together. And like, I just love stories and I, and I just love how horror films make you feel because isn't that what films are meant to do? Make the audience member feel something. Yeah. I also think that horror fans are like the real cinephiles in the room because (laughs) you know, we watch nothing but horror movies. Sure. But I know lots of horror fans that will watch like a new drama that everybody's talking about, but it doesn't work the opposite way. Like drama fans aren't watching the new horror movie just because they want to see what everyone's talking about. And movies are about, communicating emotion and you know with horror fans breaking down like how special effects work and how they achieved something i think it's also about figuring out how the filmmakers brought an emotion to you and and you know like like everybody else was saying you can find literally any genre of film in practically any horror movie it's it's the only genre that is like the absolute center of the venn diagram of hollywood yeah, we cover a lot of uh, uh, American history on our podcast and that because I'm in, generally I'm, I'm like a cinephile. I'll watch any kind of movie anytime. But uh, 
it's yeah. And like studying American history and, and horror is such an amazing lens to look at American history through. And you, you do kind of have to start looking at other, like what's going on in other areas of cinema at the time. And it tells you so much about why a certain horror movie is extremely popular at that time. And yeah, that, that is interesting where it's like, you don't tend to find someone who's really into another genre that then also is looking, you know, seeking out horror movies. Or even yeah. somebody who like really likes romance movies, but watches every romance movie. I, I don't think that person <laughs> yeah. exists either, but yeah, horror no, fans like... watch every <laughs> horror movie. Exactly. <laughs> it's weird that. But I guess you guys are coming from the fact that you, you do it as like, as a kind of a job almost like, that helps too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we only did this so we could start getting screeners so we could spend less on horror movies. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's not true. It worked. No, I wanted to be a filmmaker and I didn't go to film school. So I started a podcast, which was like free film school. It is free yeah. film school. It really is. A lot we of saved a lot no of way. Take it from us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need it. Yeah. We people ask us that all the time because, like, we both went to we we went to That's the where we, we met we met yeah we yeah. went to the University of Michigan and went to their film nice. school and like you know I mean the thing it, it was great for is like we have a lot of friends who now live out here and it was you know you didn't feel so alone moving to LA which is a terrifying city to move to if, you know you're just starting out and don't really know anyone but I don't know if you need as far as like the skills school. to make a movie I feel like you can you learn can figure that, that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just make stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Just, One thing to make on Zoom is fine. Horror does something that I think other genres don't do as well, and that's storytelling. And talking about touching on these sensitive topics. Now, you could look at what's in the news recently, like illegal immigration, right? Mm. Well, you could watch Dracula. Or let's say the fear of the nuclear holocaust. You can watch Godzilla. Or yeah. maybe the civil rights and what's going on with Black Lives Matter and all these, you know, uh, issues that black people have helped, you know, had to deal with over the years. Hey, that that story was told in Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. So there's some interesting themes that horror is never afraid to touch on and bring to the forefront and tell it in a very creative way. Leo, why yeah. do you think why do you think horror does that? And more than any other genre why do you think horror is the kind of the genre that will tell those stories before other genres might i don't know that's a really good question i think that it's just these directors think outside the box and are willing to take a chance mm-hmm. and not they're not afraid they got nothing to lose they got a budget of maybe what a hundred thousand dollars to make a movie yeah and it's and you know and ends up you know like you guys made your movie for nothing you know yeah. and you guys did it we you know with with the with the backdrop of covid covid19 you know, in, in real time, it's like that's never been done before. So the fact that you guys pull that off and people like that have the courage to come out and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. Nobody's going to tell me no. There's no suits. There's no studio. Yeah. And to answer to no one. And then they make a movie. And if the movie's good enough, I mean, it, you know, the horror fans are going to embrace it. And then just like everybody embraced Host. And they're going to carry it on their shoulders. Next thing you know, it's like, so. <laughs> you know, everybody has no choice. Everybody else has no choice but to, you know, take it in, accept it. And, you know. Yeah. Oh, when you think about it, it's uh, a lot of those kind of big milestone horror movies where, you know, they they change horror, but they also, they, they're socially relevant. So, yeah, like Night of the Living Dead 
Um, Halloween, I think was, was that, or was that kind of big budget? I forget if that was, no, that was, no, that was, no, that was, that was, that was, that was super low. Yeah. Yeah. I that was them, uh, raking the leaves. Yes, that's right. the they like green. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, oh, psycho, even psycho shot on black and white because it, color films too expensive. And the studio was not super into that movie in general. And I think if you're at that point where it's like, well, we're making this low budget thing, it's there's not that much to lose. Why not like just go all out with it and yeah. maybe put our, uh, you know, uh, although it's it's interesting because Romero isn't even intentionally putting his politics in there, but that's just kind of how it happened. It's, um, I, I think maybe when you have a filmmaker or a storyteller who is like unafraid to kind of go in a direction that maybe makes people uncomfortable or make something that might offend society at large, it's like, yeah, I could totally see how naturally politics and, and things like that would work its way in there. Cause it's in a same, you know, similar sensibility. It's just like being unafraid to show something visually, uh, maybe offensive and also maybe get into material that is, uh, you know, a bit transgressive or. Yeah. yeah look, look, at, look at, look at the, what, what it's done also in the past year, two years, it's fueled these great movies, uh, host being one of them, but also you look at movies like the rental. Now we're looking at mm. Airbnb horror, which I've never seen before. <laughs> or did you guys get to see Spree? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You know, you got a horror movie on, you know, a guy driving people around. It's like, it, 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 people are being so creative these days because it's like they can't because nobody's holding them back. And it's like, yeah, low budget. Sure. But look at what they're doing. You know, that's why I'm so impressed with it. And that's why I'm like, bring it on, man. Bring it on. Those ideas that are brewing, just make them. Yeah, there was last month uh, during Black History Month, I actually took it upon myself to post every single day a horror film that um, had either not necessarily even just a black lead, but focused around and centered around um, just black people in general. And I was honestly kind of surprised that a lot of the films that I spoke on people haven't heard of like death by temptation yeah. we Where, just yeah we just so oh good. <laughs> I, we love death by temptation it's so yes. good and it's so it's good so colorful and, and it's so different it's just an interesting vampire vampiric movie but um when you take those particular signs and see how um some people may not think of the political aspect behind it because none of the living dead um just like how you spotted um leo with how that kind of focused more on the civil rights movement an average moviegoer probably wouldn't see that. They they wouldn't they wouldn't see that that um, aspect of it behind there. And I, I feel like it's people like us who kind of unearth those those tones within horror and um, kind of use our perspective to be like, well, like I mean, there's a kind of a little bit of this added to it or something like that. And I think that's what makes this genre so interesting because we can peel it back in so many different layers and kind of have our own perspective, um, like, I guess, perspective on it and things like that. And I think that's what makes horror so different and honestly makes it probably one of the best genres because it has so many different perspectives. If you watch a historical film um, where uh, Bill Street can talk or, and I, I'm mainly just naming uh, Black-led films, but um, with those particular movies and you see like i think the one that kind of stuck out the most to people was the hate you give uh which was kind of about that uh this kid who died by uh, police brutality mm -hmm. and um and you hear it a lot with like blind spotting and things like that and with that 
that is a very clear cut focus. You, everyone's going to have the same perspective. It has the same agenda. But then when you see something like the crazies, mm. we may all have a different perspective of how we interpreted that film. And you can either look at it as just the blanket. Oh, it was a bunch of people who had this crazy disease and they just started killing people. Or you can go a little bit deeper and be like, well, uh, there are a few outcasts here and then so on and so forth. And you can kind of start to mold that and bring a different perspective to have someone watch that film again and see it in a different lens and see it in that different light. And I think that's that's one of the main missions we do at Nightlight is where when we talk about certain films and we get messages all the time, of it's like, I didn't see it that way. That's interesting that you brought that perspective in there. And I think recently we covered Swallow and I have a condition called phagophobia. With, for those who don't know what phagophobia is, it's a condition where you have the fear of swallowing. It happens to me when I typically eat. Um, and it was really bad back in March through about May um, to the point where I literally couldn't eat anything. And I had to like drink protein drinks just so I would stop losing weight. Right. And uh, it was a scary time. And I actually watched Swallow when it first came out in April last year. And that film hit me way too hard. And I was just like, okay, swallowing literally everything. And I'm, I'm just trying to swallow a peanut. <laughs> it is tough. Um, so it's, it was such an interesting way to kind of show my vulnerability and allow people to see like this. There's a lot more than just what you see on screen. It's a lot deeper than that. And it, it's more, this can be interpreted very differently for a multiple, a multitude of different types of people, which is kind of fantastic. And that's what honestly makes horror a really good genre to make as, I guess, the preface of the world, because <laughs> the world <laughs> is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, it, it's, we were just talking about <laughs> film school and how, I mean, I, I don't think you need it necessarily to make, to make films. And I, it is weird though that in film school that's where I started to really appreciate horror on that kind of level that we're discussing because I took a, a horror class and it was uh it was horror post psycho and it kind of um was like just American history and how horror uh, evolved along with it and I just fell in love that was the class where I just I yeah, there, like there's no going back after that. We we did Night of the Living Dead. That's one of my favorite horror movies of all time now because I just analyzing that and how it even, you know, there's there's Vietnam War commentary going on in that movie and just the idea of like you're 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 seeing your dead friends and family invading your home and that's the first war we kind of get seen on American TV. You know, I, I just thought like, oh my God, stuff like that just blew my mind and that's why we try really hard on the, the podcast to to do that kind of analysis of, of film we just covered the movie his house which is about uh, uh south so sudanese good. refugees and we we ended up having to make that a two-parter which we've never done for a film because i just decided to like uh basically cram and learn the entire history of south sudan post british occupation i was like i just we gotta know this That's to understand awesome. this and it just made it so hey we've done some good stuff too like. <laughs> it's funny in the in the ad for that episode our, i i had a shutter read that week and i was like listen guys we talked a lot about this episode how the british did some really bad stuff but you know what some good stuff the british did they made a movie called 
co-host. Oh, thank you. I'm like, not even kidding. Go listen to it. I will. And in the annals of history, that's amazing. Back, go, oh, like they did host that. They were fine. <laughs> UK's redemption arc yeah, started so, yes. here. <laughs> but um, you know, I, 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 that's why I think that's so important to do, and it made you know analyzing that movie so rewarding. And it's also just you know our podcast is free to listen to our content's free to listen to uh because of places like shutter giving me really silly ad reads to do <laughs> thank you Shutter. but it's you know i i've gotten a few emails before from academics who are like what business do you have kind of because i'm not like a <laughs> higher ed you know I, I went to college but i didn't i don't have like a master's or phd or anything and they kind of i've gotten emails almost insinuating I'm trivializing the work that people who go into academia do basically if you people who pay the money to then go on and do that kind of work and I just that makes me so crazy like it makes no sense as well it makes absolutely no sense (laughs) it should be free and I I love how many people we get who listen to the show and they weren't even horror fans going in and Hmm. they they've kind of you know come to love it the same way that we do where it's, it tells you so much about history and culture and yeah I bet knowledge should be out there and Definitely. it's great I'm glad we're all sharing that knowledge too. But that, <laughs> yes. that honestly legit makes me super stoked that all of our podcasts are similar but different, but but same, same. But um it's <laughs> it's definitely really cool that we can take this genre and provide that to where we expose these other um, aspects behind it, where Dead Meat doing more of the historical aspect of it, which I very much enjoy. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> and with Nightmare on Film Street doing, and by the way, I listen to literally all of your guys' podcasts. But, <laughs> but like Nightmare on Film Street. Podcast, the one you're on. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Hold on, Jen. But with Nightmare on Film Street, which actually inspired Nightlight, um, Oh. That was, you know, it, it it definitely was really cool. Like hearing Johnny Kim just kind of sit around and really just talk about how much they enjoy a movie, even if you don't like it. Because I know you, they you you both rated at the at the end, and it, it's it's still so much fun to hear like all the insights, and then you kind of get to that rating. And I, I I absolutely just find it just like a friendship. And then with the boot crew doing things with with the interviews and hearing all the cool antics and trev you you just kill it with the introductions by the way like those, those introductions are just unbelievably incredible that's why i didn't do a proper one this one i, I can't compete with this <laughs> <laughs> trev is so good. Wants i literally take notes of his introductions <laughs> yeah. like all right this person I, I have them on let's let's it's trevor and mcgarris <laughs> 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 Um, well, that kind of leads me on to the next. We've talked about how much, how good horror is and how important it is. But let's talk about reboots and remakes. Like, <laughs> what do you think when you see a, like a, um, a news report on Deadline Variety, on Bloody Disgusting, that one of the, your beloved movies has been rebooted or there's a remake coming out or a spin-off? What, what's your first instinct? I love it. I'm, I'm in the, I might be in the minority, <laughs> but I... I 
I actually embrace remakes. I love retellings and reimaginings, and I I'm a huge advocate of uh, uh, Anthony Scott Burns's uh, Come True, and um and it's it's actually very interesting. Canadian horror is probably my favorite area of horror. <laughs> <Yeah>. culture. <laughs> shouts out, shouts out. Um, but it's. It was very interesting where I was comparing it to Nightmare on Elm Street a ton. And Anthony actually DM me. He was like, why do you keep comparing it to Nightmare on Elm Street? And I told him why I kept comparing it to it. And he was like, holy shit, I did not see that. But now I totally <laughs> see my film is literally Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> but, but it is, it's so interesting when I see a reboot because I like to see the retelling. I like to see what this director thought about it um, when they first watched it and how they wanted to tell the story. And I, I think reboots are are a blast. And I take them with a grain of salt when I do watch them, but I think they're fun. <laughs> um, except for The Wicker Man, 2006. Oh, no, no, I kind of love it, though. <laughs> oh, no, me too. The beast! The thing, the thing. <laughs> that kills me is the original Waker Man is is one of my all-time favorite horror yeah, movies. Like I'm obsessed with it. Tier. It's yeah, it's it's tied for first place with Texas Chainsaw, which are those are yes. a weird couple, but yeah, <laughs> two Same great color palette, like though. Fun double feature. Yeah, yeah I love seventies yeah. horror. Seventies yeah. horror is my, yes. my favorite. But um, I hate so much that when I mention that movie, most people just only know that that remake exists, and that's when I'm. That's when that's that my heart. Yeah, that happens with uh, My Bloody Valentine. I think. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just think you're yes. talking about the remake, even though that original is so incredible. Can con. Yeah. <laughs> now for, for me with remakes it's definitely a case-by-case basis because it, it's always different like child's play uh i think the remake is a well-made movie and it has merits but uh, the behind the scenes stuff about how like don mancini didn't want it to happen and he's still working on his continuity that really rubbed me the wrong way just because i'm such a yeah. big fan of that ongoing uh franchise and i'm excited for that that sci-fi show and i i do like when remakes can take something and do something different with it whether it's the suspiria remake even though the original is one of my favorite horror movies i love uh that the remake did like took the the kernel of the idea and did something so different with it even the wrong turn that just came out yeah. uh both the wrong turn and suspiria remakes i have my issues with them but i can appreciate that they just took you know, the, the kernel of the idea and then went a different direction with it. I, I tend to not like it when the remake is just, you know, a beat for beat, like the Nightmare on Elm Street one, just mm. not enough is different that it, it just feels like it's uh, trading out practical effects for more CG and just, you know, putting the modern day uh, like sheen on, on the movie. And that's when I don't really care for it too much. One of my favorite remakes is Fetty Alvarez's Evil yes. Dead. And yes. It is Hell yes. So good. Yes. So and good. It's, yes. And I love the original just as much, but they're so different. Yeah. And I like when directors do that. Um, I also feel like if someone said, I'm going to remake Shaun of the Dead, I don't know how I would feel about that. I would be like, <laughs> that, that just can't. I get, I think like, when you so really you do love, like British things, okay, you do like <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, when you love something and you have such passion for a specific movie, sometimes it's hard to hear that someone else that you think something is perfect and it doesn't need to be touched. Um, I think sometimes I have a hard time with that, but I can also accept like different versions, and I mean, I love it, and then I don't like it like I have mixed feelings on it 
Yeah, I love. I, I mean, just like James had said, that that new Wrong Turn movie mm-hmm. blew me away. Like it was everything I, I did it. not expect, and it was a great magic trick. And the same with the Evil Dead, a complete tonal shift. It's not what you would expect to see in an Evil Dead movie, which was great. But you still get that, like you said, that kernel of the of the original idea is still in there, but it's expanded upon and and just wrapped in a completely new package. That. I do love, but as the first instinct, when I first hear about a remake coming, another remake in the horror genre, I hate it instantly. That's my first, my gut instinct is, oh God, again, really? Yeah, There's I hear so him talk about ideas, it. He'll be know? like, oh, again? And yeah. I'm just like, calm down. Maybe it'll be awesome. Yeah. And sometimes oh, they are awesome. But it seems like more like those ideas are coming more from the hot, way higher up, the studios, right? And the, the filmmakers are the ones who have to deal with it and, you know, come up with the idea and, and with their approach with it. But uh, yeah, uh, not yeah. a fan for the idea originally. Uh, I feel like um, when we hear about a remake, it's just like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of money just sitting around right now. Mm-hmm. And let's go ahead and see if we can, you know, throw this towards this. And it's it's fun to see. But at the same time, I'm with you. I, I Like I said, I take them with a grain of salt and I, I kind of know what I'm going to get myself into. But then you do shit like The Invisible Man and you're just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Evil Dead. And it's just you you kind of get those those ones that like are you feel like in the beginning they're going to be shoehorned and then you just get it to the point where you're just like, that was surprisingly really good. (laughs) And you just then kind of take it as again, when you hear another remake, like um, when Blumhouse announced that they're going to do the whole universal monsters over. And I personally was just like, like, Whoa, that's going to be interesting. Then I saw the invisible man and I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I want to see Wolfman. I want to see Dracula again. And the directors that they're getting for this, Karen Kusama doing Dracula, like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> I've signed me up. And we got Ryan Gosling as Wolfman. Like, I, I'm, I'm in. I, I'm into yeah. it. So it's just, <laughs> I'm very excited to see how we're going to kind of take all these different things and, and see what's kind of going to come from it. But I'm, I think what we see the most when we hear about like a remake or something similar to it, my first instinct is to think about Godzilla when it was remade in 1998. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh. that's like my first instinct every time I hear about a remake. And then I just think about like, okay, but the other Godzillas are fine. They're, they're, they're okay. Kaijus are still cool. Um, Kaiju's cool. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I like cool. Kaiju. So okay. cool. Right. cool. In this so, Zoom meeting, yeah, they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's yeah. very interesting to see it all kind of be, re- be everything seeing remade. I feel like there's definitely certain remakes. I'm, I'm usually just kind of ambivalent at this point. It's horror. Horror is like the genre of remakes and weird sequels and what, like, you know, whatever, have fun. I don't, the originals <laughs> will still exist, but there is something that I, I do really dislike about remaking foreign horror when the horror that is so impactful about a movie from another country relies so much on that country's history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Train to Busan. Yeah, yeah just mm-hmm, anything yeah. like that where it's like, 
you know, I mean, even the ring, although I do love the Gore Verbinski ring, I think it's a very good movie. Like even the ring, there's so much in that movie that's related to, you know, Japanese culture at the time and just the fear of, of children at that time. We talk about that in a podcast episode because the 90s in Japan, there was like this weird spike in like child on child violence. And that's where you get movies oh. like Battle Royale too. It's like this fear of like, oh my God, the kids are all going crazy. Oh, but that it's like, makes so Battle Royale 10 times better. Yeah, <laughs> so you like lose that kind of stuff unless you rework something and, and make it so that it's, you know, relevant to, I, I don't know. That's like when I get weird about it. Cause it's like, are we just erasing this, this important cultural stuff? And that sucks. That's, yeah. yeah. That's actually a good point. I actually welcome the, the uh, reboots or remakes because it's the only way we're going to know if somebody has a vision or it's going to be something truly unique and fun. Kind of like you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, James with the wrong turn, uh, you know, remake that just came out, which I thought I thought was a fun movie. I mean, yeah. nothing like the original, but it definitely offered something different that you can almost relate to what's going on right now, you know, in the country. Uh, but on that note, uh, you know, you also mentioned uh, Suspiria remake, which I also loved. And uh, that movie attempted to do something that the original trilogy, the Suspiria, Inferno, and Mother of Tears trilogy, did not do so well. They were so disjointed that they not they did not tell the story of the three mothers in a coherent yeah. fashion. But this uh, Luca Guadagnino uh, remake, he attempted to tell you, hey, there are the three mothers, and there's hints of a possible you know sequel or you know a threequel coming up here soon. And I mean, how can you forget? Tilda Swinton playing three characters in the movie, including a man. Yeah. Yeah. That was a bit weird, but I, lo- I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I on like that watching Tilda you know, Swinton eat chicken wings. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on that list also, you know, I'm going to also add, like you guys mentioned, Evil Dead, uh, Fetty Alvarez, 2003. Uh, the Thing, uh, John mm-hmm. Carpenter, 1982. And I consider that movie almost like a perfect horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the, the original fly. or the, the prequel remake? The, no, the 82 John Carpenter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's my favorite. And that's why yeah. I like, uh, I, I bristle a little at the the uh, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead version. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, you have Rob Oteen doing all practical effects and, and yeah. it's, it's insane, you know. But yeah, the, the Fly of Cronenberg in 86. Uh, so these are kind of the movies that, you know, were remakes, reboots, um, but they're polished gems. They were just done mm-hmm. so well. And then, on a pedestal, I have a movie or a set of movies, for example, like The Exorcist. I do not want that to be touched. I don't want Morgan Creek, Warner Brothers to redo that. And I, I think they are, which is yeah, sad. Yeah, I think so. I think they are. Those kind of movies, you know, did something. This, I mean, that was, what, 1973? And they mm-hmm. did something so shocking that I don't think filmmakers have attempted to even recreate some of those scenes, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's part of his cinema history. And I don't want to see that redone even though sequels were made and all that, you know, uh, but do you do you guys have movies that you don't want touched? For me, when I when I see the uh, announcement, the the first thing I think of is I I already know there's going to be loads of backlash. So I I'm I'm in like protect the filmmaker mode straight away. That's the, so I'm like these poor filmmakers. They'll be reading this. They'll they'll say they haven't read the the reaction, but they definitely read the reaction. So they'll be on Twitter going, oh no, this is really bad. Um, so I'm always like, come on guys, let's wait till it comes out. How could, how are you judging a film before it comes out? Like. Of course, you could you could you can say this is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. But wait till it comes out, and then if it's awful, say it's awful. If it's good, then it's good. But if you're saying it's awful now, it's going to be the worst film ever. 
you've got a good chance of being wrong, like and and looking stupid. So I would just say always wait. And um, obviously there has been bad remakes, but one of my favorite films, and like a lot of people don't like this movie, but like Toby Hooper's Invaders from Mars from like the eighties is. I love that film so much. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's it's flawed to hell. But like, I just love that film so so much, and and the remake of The Blob as well. Like, I I, I love mm-hmm. so so much. More recently, obviously, The Evil Dead is is one of the best examples ever of a remake done right, where you you pay homage to the original, you, you stick Sam Raimi's Oldsmobile in it, and you're good to go. It's like, also weird too. What's even considered like what is a remake? even because a lot of these remakes that we've even mentioned like something like the invisible man is that a remake yeah, or is would, that an, another adaptation you know it's mm-hmm. it, it's it gets into such a weird uh area of like what even it is a remake technically i'm totally up for remakes and like i'd be a real hypocrite to, to say otherwise because like i'm actively chasing like to uh, remake certain properties I, i'm just gonna say like that there's a remake coming out of night of the comet or was announced a couple of years ago oh, yes and, mm-hmm. yeah and i'm just like i know someone else has got it but give it to me that's my favorite movie of all time i'm putting it out i'm manifesting it and like i, I apologize for the filmmakers that are making it but give it to me i'll make <laughs> i'll make the best night of the comet movie ever um <laughs> That's how I feel about who's who's remaking Maximum Overdrive because that's the one where I was like, no, but I want, I want it, I want to yeah. do it. Yeah. You have your own design for the truck, your own monster for the truck. Oh, the whole movie's trucks. I don't even want people in it. trucks off of ramps. It's just yes. gonna be a monster yes. truck rally. It's nice. gonna have no plot. It's crazy. Yeah, the only it's thing old. that makes me um, a little bit of a curmudgeon about remakes is purely because of the like. Hollywood's obsession with IP right now Mm -hmm. and how like if you look at any genre other than horror there's no original content and if you look at all of the like they 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 make money they're lucrative they're profitable they cost a ton but uh Mm -hmm. they get butts in seats and horror is one of the 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 few genres maybe the only genre that can you know you you invest fifty thousand dollars into a nothing film and it tenfolds that money uh fifty folds that money and I fear that the more we we become part of like the Hollywood profiteer system, like the less we're gonna have those those specs discovered and those indie filmmakers and stuff. But then also like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like maybe somebody made a deal to make Leprechaun 22 in exchange for their own movie. So like I, I try to make sure I give all of those movies their day, but in inside I'm like, yeah, but I how many original movies could this have bought? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's Good point. Nice shade on the Leprechaun uh, uh, remake, by the way. <laughs> I said 22. I said 22. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, yeah. The, the newest Leprechaun is a damn good Leprechaun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think a lot of horror fans might like get upset about remakes. Like, what, you know, like obviously I always want to see original ideas. Like that's the, the, the number one thing I want to see is a new idea, something I haven't heard of or thought of before. Uh, and part of that comes down to because the fact that I want to be scared. And, you know, if you're making a new Pet Cemetery movie, I kind of already know the beats that are going to scare me. So it's not going to be nearly as scary. It's not going to be nearly as effective. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you, about the truck's going to have teeth now. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a little older. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, at, the, at the end of the day, I just want more horror movies. And, you know, if, if that means remakes and reboots, I'll take them. 
We're just yeah. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, just feed us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I said, one of my favorite movies is The Wicker Man, and that's already been remade. You know, like I no nothing can hurt me anymore. Oh, it's, you know? it's the Wicker Man is I've safe now. Rude. Don't worry. It's, yeah, right. It's it like safe now. <laughs> what can you do to me now? <laughs> well, I'm I feel like dead. I feel like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like, what do you want from me, huh? <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> Uh, well, talking of underappreciated movies like uh, The Wicker Man, do you have any film recommendations for to kind of just round off this first horror summit? Any like films that have gone under the radar that you guys have kind of noticed in the last couple of years? They don't have to be brand new ones. They could be ones from the past that don't get talked about enough in horror circles. Um, uh, it's hard for me to accurately judge how much a movie is being talked about just because when I'm covering something, it's my world for a few days, yeah, but, yeah. uh, come to daddy. I thought was excellent. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. uh, I, I don't know how, how popular that is. That might yes. just be one of those, like, have you guys heard about the witch? It's a really cool like, <laughs> unknown movie. So but, good. Yeah. Come to daddy rips. It's so fun. It's like, so it, it's, it's like a slow burn until it's not. <laughs> and <laughs> it has the weirdest sense of humor that, I just, you know, it's it's right where I, you know, and it's it's kind of horror adjacent, as is the other one that I'm going to say, which just came out and which I'm I'm covering right now, a 12 hour shift from Bria Grant. I'm just obsessed oh, with yeah, that movie yeah. right now, and uh, that's even less in the horror genre than Come to Daddy. I would I think, but it's still got that dark comedy, and uh, yeah, both of those I just find hilarious because of of the tone. Like they're not trying too hard to be funny. And uh, they're both indie movies made for not a huge budget. So the more people who see them, I think the better. Oh, you stole my my two like like legit recommends. So I'll give <laughs> my kind of joke recommend, but kind of serious recommend. You know what, guys? I think Human Centipede's good. Yay! I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good horror. Yeah, I think Human is. Centipede Two is a perfect film. I love Human Centipede Two. I've only sure seen the that. first one. The, the so oh. good. I've read the wikis sequences. of the second two, and I'm like, it's got some stuff where I'm like, I don't. Eh, eh. I'll give him a chance do one I, day. But do I need to see prison? Uh, yeah, do I need <laughs> about a baby and There's a gas some, pedal? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. but that's so why good. I love that first one. Is it has such a reputation, and there's you don't. See, it's like Texas Chainsaw. It's like you don't see. I mean, it's still an insane concept, but I mean, Dieter Laser is just killing it. That whole movie, I I love that first. It's a good horror movie. movie. It's just a good horror. It's good. Movie. Like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we the watched it while wrapping Christmas presents one year. Don't tell them that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, beautiful. First the movie we ever watched as a couple was Hellraiser. Yeah. Back when we were like only uh, friends amazing. and like started to yeah see each other. So and we told Clyde Barker that when we met him and got that his was very special. That's amazing. Uh, so I want to recommend um, just based on the the weird like resurgence of Lake Mungo mm -hmm. and like the the found footage that we've kind of missed. Um, I really want to recommend the Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, yeah. It had like a really flubbed release and it wasn't available until like very recently uh, Shout Factory put it on Blu-ray. And I think that's the only place you can get it right now. Really and good um, yeah. yeah, so it's like a found footage movie, but it's kind of in the style of like, it's almost Silence of the Lambsy where it's a like a criminal investigation of a fictional serial killer, but it really feels real mm -hmm. and Ooh. thus is terrifying. <laughs> So <laughs> found good. footage gets me like Lake Mungo truly scared me we reviewed it for the pod and oh uh, yeah okay I'll check that one out 
I want to I want to recommend a movie that's I know it's on Shutter in Canada. I think it's on Shutter in the United States. I hope it is. Uh, if not, find it however you can. It's called The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. Yes. It's it this is not. tiny it is I not. I want to see it. It is not. Okay. I want to see it so bad. <laughs> Everybody, send me your mailing address. I'll get you. <laughs> it's actually pretty hard to get if you're outside Canada. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Well, you know, as soon as you get your vaccine and the borders <laughs> open up, you've got plenty of reason to come up here. Get your one oh, DVD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, your, oh get, get your DVD copy of the last bone test. And a donut. <laughs> a donut. And of course, Pawnee Pool. Because apparently you can't get that in the States. Either. Oh, I've got Pawnee Pool. I actually got Pawnee Pool too i'm i'm happy about oh, that <laughs> which was a good underrated film as well Ponty, if you haven't seen pontypool guys out there yeah. watch pontypool an amazing amazing movie all set in in a almost like a podcast studio really so it's yeah, yeah. like this <laughs> we drove past pontypool last year and uh, we have an rv so we go like all over canada for no reason and uh, i was just, i did like the leo point on yeah, the highway for like 12 <laughs> minutes <laughs> just like there it is <laughs> yeah, Rosalind Lee is like this teeny little haunted house story and like, you know, oh man, like this movie does a lot of really cool things and the surprise of those cool things is, is what really makes that movie something special. So like, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, oh. it's, a, it's, it's a great little piece of like indie Canadian horror filmmaking and it features Julian Christian, Julian Richings, who's actually everybody will probably know him from anything Three for finger. Jackson. Oh, nice. Right. Nice. Well, yes. Is he Three Finger as well? Uh, in finger. Wrong Turn? Is he from Supernatural? Oh, think Does he so. play? Uh... I have no. I don't watch Supernatural. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, me either. I've just I been. I, I'm always told about Supernatural. <laughs> right. It's just too many seasons. It's like fifty seasons. Yeah. They have so yeah, much show. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh. I got a. I've got a short list here, but I'm gonna yeah, kick okay, it off really. with um, Oz Perkins' first movie, The Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah. Yes. I thought that movie just you know told a fantastic story with these parallel storylines that eventually meet up and it's in a twist where if you blink you miss it and then it's got this great ending which you know kind of leaves you with that thought like man what did i just watch what's going on you know um fantastic cast and aside from that i'm also thinking of like the autopsy of jane doe yes andre alverdahl fantastic yeah i mean the fact that you have brian cox stuck in a room with emile hirsch most most of the movie (laughs) and a dead body and they're trying to discover you know Hey, what's what's the, what's going on here? You know, what, what, uh, love that movie. Um, Hush, Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that was pure magic. I mean, talk about low budget and just a great idea with just the two characters in the whole movie, pretty much. You know, and um, Crawl, Alexander Aja. I love that movie. Um, aquatic horror. You know, I'm always in search of something good. That was favorite horror me. movie of of two years ago. 2019. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Maxime Alexander did the DP work. I mean, it's beautifully shot, especially when you hear the backstory that it's a gigantic water set. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. You know, I I never knew they could build something that large. Um, And then to round out my list, I'm going to go with uh, a couple more. Ready or Not 2019, uh, directed by Radio Silence. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I mean, we're all just, just nodding silently. Like, yeah. 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 Like, is probably my favorite vampire movie, and that's Let the Right One In. Uh, yeah. Swedish Swedish film from 2018. Um, I just love what they did with it. I mean, sorry, 2008. 2008. 
I mean, set in, set in the eighties with two, you know, tweens telling a story of vampirism, and I mean, fantastic. So good. yeah, great choices. Uh, I'll, I'll give mine really quickly. My one is, um, and of course, all, all of us here are massive fans of the of, of the guinea pig franchise. I'm sure. Yes, um, oh, of course. Guinea Pig Six, um, which is oh my god, which is mermaid in a manhole. Now, <laughs> like genuinely, and I'm not, I'm not saying this like as a joke. Guinea Pig Six, mermaid in the manhole, is a really, really, really good movie, and it's about an artist whose wife dies. He's depressed. He's suicidal. He finds a mermaid in a manhole who's dying. He brings her out of the manhole and puts her in his bath. And he spends his time, the rest of the film, painting her. But he's painting her with the pus that's coming out of her body as she <laughs> decomposes. And wow. I know it sounds sick. Fantastic. I know it sounds sick. But it is one of the most genius. And like, and it sounds like it's a, like a gory movie. It's not. It's a beautiful movie about a guy that finds a mermaid covered in shit in a manhole and paints her with her bodily fluids. I love you. Wow. You are the second person in my entire life that I've ever heard talk about that film series. Yeah, guinea pig. Guinea pig. Yeah. The other, oh yeah, our, one of one of the, our. Uh, yeah. yeah right? The other ones. Yep. Are, the other ones aren't as good. That like this is. Six is when it starts to get good, when a series starts to get like <laughs> they're making legit movies, actually. as is uh, usual in franchise, yeah. <laughs> of course. <For> sure. <laughs> uh, but genuinely, that that film, like you'll love it, it's such a surprise. Like, just like check it out if you get a chance to. <laughs> wow, we actually watched something actually just the other day. We talked about it on our on our show, uh, released yesterday, was uh, one of the American guinea pig movies. Ah, there was a whole series of them. This, this company yeah. called Unearthed Films did yeah. the American guinea pig series. And I think it was, there's three or four of them. And the one that we watched was called the song of Solomon. And it was hands down oh, the yeah. most gory possession film. I think we've ever seen. Really? I've not seen, I'm not, I've seen I haven't film. seen yeah. that one yet. I want to yeah, see it, it stars, so bad. <laughs> it stars uh, Jessica Cameron as this possessed woman oh. and literally priest after priest goes in. Um, and it is insane. I mean, it is insane. The poster gives you an idea of what what's to come, but the gore is out of control. Honestly, probably the most gory film we've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. No, okay. Now, now I need to watch yeah. it. What is your, uh, what is your 11 year old think of it? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, she stayed away from that one. Um, and then I, I'd say one more to recommend um, would be a dark song. Yes. yes. Which is just, I think the thing that scares me most about that film too is that it was actually based on a real ritual, the Abramelin ritual where you summon your guardian angel. And Aleister Crowley actually tried to do the ritual a few times and it takes months to do. And apparently some occultists have had success. You could like read up on it. It's an insane. But the oh, film wow. captures it really well and, and has an amazing payoff. And then Liam was actually tapped by Flanagan to direct one of the Bly Manor uh, episodes. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Because he's such it's, a fan of rad. Dark Song. Yeah. Is that the ritual that they tried to do? And it was him and L. Ron Hubbard and Pasadena. And yeah. Bowie, I think. By the Devil's Gate. Cool. Well, I think that, that was a separate, separate, oh, separate incident. incident. I think that was Ron another Hubbard. I think that was another ritual, but I did, I have heard about that ritual as well. Oh, yeah. I think Pasadena they tried to summon uh, like I think a they, woman, right? Yeah, I think it was like the bride of the Antichrist or something. Something, or some, crazy. something like that. Yeah. Have you guys I been to that location? Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea James, you guys been to that location? 
No. Oh, the day, no, but I want to. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get to. Uh, when you get there, look around because you also can find some really bizarre things like a swing on some very high trees. Ooh, I love it. And like it. weird symbols. And yeah, it's it's a really Southern California is very creepy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, SoCal's right, wild. It's, it's just south of JPL. So it's perfect because that's where oh, cool. that's where Crowley and uh, what's yeah, and Parsons. And Parsons. Yeah. Parsons. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And Elron Hubbard. Like no Hubbard. Hubbard. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, guys. California. <laughs> oh, wait. Hey, could I throw, just since we talk about Coast Flanagan, yeah. I feel like Dr. Sleep. It, yeah. it, thank so you. Yes, that it thank didn't you. do well in, in theaters because I think it was marketed poorly. It should have said, you know, we hate uh, the, the sequels and remakes. It still maybe should have been The Shining 2, Dr. Sleep, just so people would know. But it's such a phenomenal movie. The director's cut, I will sit there and watch all three hours of those any day of the week. And <laughs> yes. it's a damn shame that they gave Flanagan a huge budget and uh, people didn't go see the movie because he's it's maybe my favorite movie. horror It's a beautiful maker. movie. I love that yeah. movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You guys should come on my podcast to chat more about that for sure. Because we will be covering that very soon. Yes. Saving it for a good month. So, yeah, I think that will be great. Cool. I mean, I'm going to be on your show in like a day. I'll email you after this. We'll figure out what we're doing. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, One movie that I love that I don't know if it's talked about a ton is The Nightingale by Jennifer Kent. Yes. Hmm. It is so brutal, but the acting is so amazing and i don't know if it's like would you guys consider that horror i mean yeah i I think it's terrifying Uh, (laughs) i'm horrified by it it's it's brutal wow yeah Um, i'll just throw one last one if i can i know you want to wrap up jed oh it's all right go go for it mate uh, no worries but um i I just want to throw the transfiguration i i I think i think it doesn't get enough love that it deserves but the transfiguration is just a beautiful vampire story that is technically an unorthodox vampire story so i I think it's quite beautiful and i think more people should definitely check that one out yep the, these are really really good choices it's making me want to do uh, um a room on clubhouse i don't i know some of you are on clubhouse but that app yeah that, yeah yeah prince let, let's do it whatever you want to do i'm in cool. <laughs> we'll do a, a film recommendation right uh well thank you very much guys for joining we'll go we'll go around and, and uh you can tell people where um you can find yourselves uh chelsea and james where can people find you Oh, you can find us on Dead Meat on YouTube and the Dead Meat Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, just search Dead Meat. You'll find us. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lauren Trevor? Uh Yeah, on bloodydisgusting.com. You can link to their podcast page. Also, talesfromtheboocrew.com and Apple and Spotify. Search The Boo Crew. Leo? What Trevor said. <laughs> but what if I want to find you specifically, Leo? Where do I come from? Eagle Rock. Beautiful Eagle downtown Rock. Eagle Rock. Okay. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. Uh, Prince? You can find me on uh, Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. Um, and you do want to search that with a K. Um, but typically, I have heard some people said you can find it by doing the regular Nightlight with a horror movie podcast at the end. Nice. But, yeah. Cool. Uh, John and Kimmy. Yeah, uh, Nightmare on Film Street. You can find us uh, everywhere you get podcasts and nofspodcast.com. Cool. And you can find me on this very podcast you're listening to right now. But I'm also on Twitter at Jed Shepard, J-E-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on this first 
Horror Summit podcast. We've got to do it again. Same same bunch yeah. of people. Oh, I'm we'll, down. Yeah, we'll give it totally. like a month or so and we'll do it again. Yes. And, uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, this is Absolutely. Great. This was yeah. a blast. We have a list of like movies to watch now from this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we should watch them. Yes. We did low-key Rick like, <laughs> this, this is also the problem with Clubhouse. Like you just walk away with like 12... Hundred more movies that you have to yeah. watch. <laughs> well, um, for you, you, you guys out there, make sure you follow these guys on all of their socials and and subscribe to their podcasts. And I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for coming to my Jed Talks. Your